And uh, Dr. Sproul gave this, I think, classic answer. And he said this. He said, I haven't met any good people yet, so I don't know. He's a theologian, so I'm going to let you wrestle with that. He said, I haven't met any good people yet, so I don't know. Have a bit of a think about that. But you know, the reality is we do know that bad things happen in this life. We do know that we are troubled by various things in this life. And as we come to John chapter 12, we see Jesus. We see Jesus who is deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. So what does he do about that? How does he handle this trouble that he is in? Let's just bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, this is your work. This is your church. We are your people. You are the head of your church. You're the one who has the words of eternal life. We don't have those words, but you do. And so tonight we're asking that you speak your words into our hearts. Whatever they might be, they might even be surprising words for us tonight. Lord, your spirit's in charge here. So please take charge of all that we say and do and receive tonight. Don't let our minds, Lord, please be cluttered by other stuff. Let it be put aside so that we have our full attention to all that you want to say and do in our hearts tonight. This is an encounter with the living God. Help us to seize the opportunity and to enjoy this time as we've, as we've already been doing, Lord. So thank you for your word that we have. Please speak to us now, all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so look, in our series, we're, coming, we're, we're up to John chapter 12, going through the whole gospel of John. And chapter 12 is a significant chapter. It's a bit, of a, a bit like a landmark because things begin to change in terms of the pace of events being recorded here in this chapter. And what I mean by that is, for example, uh, in the first 11 chapters of John, they cover no less than three years. So 11 chapters cover no less than three years of, of Jesus' life and ministry. But then we come to chapter 12. Chapter 12 covers only one week. Indeed, it, it, it's less than a week. Chapter 12, it's like the pace kind of slows down. And there's more of an intention, uh, intentional, deliberate focus on all the events now leading up to the cross, where everything culminates in the cross. So chapter 12 covers only uh, these three days. Uh, sorry, th th less than a week. And then from chapters 13 through to 20... They cover only three days. So it's quite a significant part of the gospel that we come to in chapter 12. And there's also a change from a very public ministry of Christ to a more of a private mentoring of his disciples and of his close friends now. And he's mentoring them, he's preparing them for what lay ahead for them as he himself prepares for his imminent crucifixion. And so we have these, these magnificent words. So just let me read a few of them again. Jesus replied, I'm reading from 23 to 28 in John 12. Jesus replied, the hour has come. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I'll glorify it again. So firstly, in verse 27, we read these words. Jesus is saying, now my heart is troubled. If you were to look at the amplified version of that same verse, it says this, now my soul is troubled and distressed. You know, I don't know um, if you've really thought about those words spoken by Jesus before. Um, but as I began to prepare for this message, um, I, I began to ponder more, I guess, and wondered, wondered what was going on inside the Lord Jesus for him to be troubled and distressed like he was. And like you and I could never, never understand. What was going on inside this one who was so troubled and distressed? The simple answer, you know, the simple answer is, of course, that, and it's the correct answer, is that, well, he was facing the cross. So, of course, Jesus would have been troubled and distressed. We can understand that. But yet to think that this is the one that the Apostle Paul described in Colossians. I want you to feel the weight of what Paul is saying, how he's describing who this Jesus is here. So Paul says this to the Colossians. He's speaking about Jesus. He said, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. What an awesome description of who Jesus is. You know, he's the word who became flesh. He is the infinite God in human form. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And he was troubled and distressed. This one, troubled and distressed. I guess another simple but amazingly profound answer is that he was also human. He was also human. The word did become flesh like one of us. Can you see the very human side of this scene that we have before us tonight? The very human side of Jesus here. And as I touched on earlier, you and I could never be, never be troubled like Jesus was. We could never be troubled like he was. Well, simply because we will never have the weight of the world's sin pressing on us. We will never know the unutterable distress of being a curse or have the Father turn his face away from us as Christ experienced on the cross when he who knew no sin became sin for us. You and I will never, could never, know that kind of trouble and distress 
However, as humans, as human beings, we do know what it's like to be troubled. We do know. You know, I wonder if I'm talking to someone here tonight. You're here tonight and you do feel troubled. And you do feel distressed over something that's going on in your life right now. I don't know, but God knows. And I'm glad you're here tonight. You see, Jesus really knows what what that's like. He knows and understands you completely. He knows what it's like. He knows what you're carrying. And you know, the wonderful thing is, the magnificent thing is, he can meet you right where you are tonight. And the good news is, he really wants to. And he really knows how to. Isn't that good? You're not going to be a burden to him tonight and say, God, I've got this, I'm feeling troubled and I'm feeling distressed. You're never going to hear the Lord say, well, look, I don't want any more, thank you, from you. You won't hear him say anything like that. He welcomes you. Come to me. Come to me, those who labour and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come to me. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. We've got all these beautiful verses of scripture that just speak to our hearts where Jesus is inviting us, come, give it to me. Don't carry it. You're not built to carry the things that you think you can, the things that you are carrying. You know, Jesus knows what that's like. <clears throat> he knows, for example, what it's like to be in the dark and feel alone. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood and to be misrepresented and to be maligned. He knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to be betrayed and rejected. Um, or even troubled by something that we think no one else understands. Or possibly they would think is trivial or unimportant so we don't tell anybody. Or on the other hand, we mightn't want to tell anyone, including Jesus, because we feel too ashamed and, and think that we could never be forgiven or made right with God again. You know, Jesus understands all those human feelings and circumstances. And I want to tell you tonight, he doesn't want you, he doesn't want you to be cheated and lied to by the devil anymore. And therefore kept in bondage anymore particularly since jesus came to set you free do you remember his words in the gospel of john we've covered these these chapters but look let me remind you again these beautiful words that we have john chapter 8 verse 36 says this if the son sets you free i reckon you can answer that for me if the, so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed absolutely he came to set the captives free. And he said, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. What about John 10.10? 10? We've just sort of passed over John 10 recently. John 10 and verse 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that. You may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. You see, the devil is this one who's the thief here. He's the thief. And he comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. He comes to steal anything he can from you. He'll come to steal your assurance. He'll come to steal your peace, your joy. All those beautiful things that Jesus wants to give you. Even one, if he can, he'll want to steal that away. And he'll want to destroy you. 
But Jesus said, I have come that they, that you, may have life, his life, and not just life, but have it abundantly. Awesome. And what about these words from 1 John now, the epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen to these words. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What a promise. Hey, that's an awesome promise. That's victory ground that you stand on when you lay hold of the word of God like this. So these are the promises of him who understands our humanity, including how it feels to be troubled and distressed. Jesus knows about that. You know, what I also love about Jesus is that he is so realistic about life. He's so realistic about life in this fallen world that he knows we live in. And so he says words like this. He gives us this promise. John 16. We haven't got there yet, but we're going to be looking at this again down the track. John 16, verse 33. Here's a sneak preview. This is a promise from Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. Look at this other promise that he gives all of us tonight. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise, by the way. He's promised you that. In this world, you will have trouble. But look at the other part of that promise. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Victory ground with him. <laughs> F.B. Meyer, I've used a bit of F.B. Meyer stuff. I love this, what this bloke's written. F.B. Meyer, he says, it is questionable if any life reaches its prime or unfolds all its beauty unless there have been some dark hours in which cries of pain have borne witness to the troubled soul. Do you get that? It's kind of old-fashioned language, but I hope you're getting what he's saying here. Because I think it's so true. But secondly, you know, when we look at verse 27, we learn that Jesus is troubled. Just a quick reminder, that word troubled in the Greek in the original language means to cause great distress. It's not just kind of worried a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's great distress. And we know Jesus was greatly distressed. You don't sweat drops of blood when you're kind of a little bit disturbed about something. He was greatly distressed. Um, but we also learn something else. We learn how Jesus responded in his humanity, what he does with his troubled soul. And I think we can learn something from that tonight. Look at what he says. He said in verse 27, he says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? The next word, Father. Just stop there for a minute. He says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father. Father. When Jesus was troubled, he said, Father. What might you and I be likely to say or think when we're faced with stress and trouble in our lives? Think of the last stressful or troubled experience that you had. What was the first thing that came to your mind? What was the first thing that maybe came out of your mouth? If you're like me, you might not be very proud of that. But I just want you to think about that tonight. 
What was in your heart? What was in your mind when you faced a stressful, troubled experience? Possibly you might be there tonight. And sometimes the very natural human thing to think and say in response to that, those issues, those, those times of trouble and stress, is not necessarily the right thing. Now, Jesus challenged the Pharisees with this. He challenged them about what was in their heart and what was coming out of their mouth. And he said this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 34, 35. Jesus didn't mince any words. I love his honesty, don't you? He tells it like it is. Only he can really do that. Because only he really knows what's going on in a person's heart. And he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then he goes and he says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the good, sorry, out of the evil stored up in him. It's what is filling your heart. It's what's filling your mind. It's what you're soaking in will come out of your mouth. And James was no doubt aware of this very human issue as well. And that's why he says this to us. God teaching us through James. He says this in chapter 3 verse 9 to 10. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. He says, my brothers, this should not be. This should not be. You may have seen that TV advert. Actually, I haven't seen it for a while, so I wonder if someone's complained and pulled it off the air. But there was that TV advert uh, where I'm assuming it's a father and he's got his little son in the back seat and he's towing a caravan with this car. You remember that one? And, uh, and they come up behind this, this uh, other car towing a caravan. And he's got to slow down because he's got this U-Butte uh, car that he's towing the van with and of course they're advertising how wonderful this car is and now he's stuck behind these slow coaches and and he gets out and he passes he puts a foot down he passes his caravan and as he passes it he says beep 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 caravanners beep caravanners remember that advert i don't want to say the word really and his little boy in the back seat as the, as the car passes the caravan beep car beep caravanners not a real good example and I, as I said, I haven't seen the advert for a while. So maybe someone's complained and pulled it off the air. It probably needs to be. But not a good example. But it's a typical example of getting into a little bit of frustration and beep, out it comes. But see, the challenge is, Father, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you fill me with your mind? With your attitude? So that I've got this abundance of your love and of your goodness coming out of my mouth because it's in here rather than the other garbage that comes in. See, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Um, how do we manage the stress? In the, how do we manage the stress in traffic situations? And Pastor Darrell talked about that this morning. How do we handle the, traffic of, uh, the, the stress of traffic conditions when some of these other drivers haven't got a clue how to drive? They don't know what they're really doing. They shouldn't be on the road. What words come to us and maybe even come out of us in these moments of, our, of trouble? And as I said, I've got to admit, I'm not always proud of how I feel and what sometimes might come out either. But you know, for Jesus, for Jesus, 
It was Father. He was deeply troubled, distressed. So he says, Father. Father. See, this is, this is where his whole orientation was. This is where his whole focus was. It was on the Father. Father, he says. How do we feel about that? And the, and the incredible thing is in some of, the, some of the most darkest moments and most troubled moments that Jesus came, as he came towards the cross, as it was all leading towards the cross, some of those dark moments, he cried, Father. It was Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. His first words of response are, My Father, Abba, Father. While on the cross, what were the words that Jesus cried out? Father. And he said other things, but it was Father. I love what Matthew Henry sometimes says. Great commentary. A great commentator. Matthew Henry, he says, The trouble of his soul, speaking about Jesus, the trouble of his soul was designed to ease the trouble of our souls. Did you get that? The trouble of his soul was designed to ease the trouble of our souls. I also love what Westcott says. Westcott, long, long time ago, he said this, Christ first took our nature that we might afterwards receive his. Christ first took our nature that we might afterward receive his. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he wants. He wants us to be like him, to be like Jesus then how tragic it is that there are multitudes of people, either they don't know or they don't want to know, this glorious, consoling and liberating truth. And how equally tragic it is that they, when they're troubled and distressed, they don't cry out, Father, they don't even know the Father. So many, and you know people like that, our friends sometimes like that. But in their distress, they don't cry out, Father, they, they say other things. And then in vain, they try to soothe or escape their pain with drugs or alcohol, only to be so cruelly deceived that, this, that it's the answer to their problems. Take it from the bottle. That'll cure my ills. That's the answer to all their troubles. But then to realise the fact that it's not, it's not. In fact, it only made matters worse. Why is there? Might be a bit of a naive question tonight, but why is there such a huge drug problem in the world? Why is the trade in illegal hallucinotype drugs so lucrative? And aren't we aware, aren't we so aware just in recent days of this rotten trade? And all the consequences to it. Why is the suicide rate so high? Particularly among men between the ages of 14 and 44. Why is it the number one killer in our country at the moment? We spoke about this at our blokes business yesterday. You know, it's not hard to understand when you realise that so many people live troubled and stressed lives and to realise that just as, as many don't know that when Jesus was deeply troubled, he responded with Father. That was where he was focused. That was his orientation. Father, if only we could be more like that. And tell others where to go when you are troubled and stressed. 
Let me read this quote. At such times, there is no medicine which will so certainly restore the tone of the soul as to look up and compel yourself to say, Father. To say it again and again till presently the bruised heart begins slowly to feel that it is infinitely loved. There is no pain which the thought of the divine fatherhood cannot relieve. I think that's true. Thirdly, as we look at these verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So we learn from Jesus in this passage from John 12 that he was troubled. We learn that he was troubled, deeply so, more than you and I could ever or would ever experience. We learn how Jesus responded in his troubled heart and that his words reflected where his focus and orientation was. It was Father. And thirdly, Thirdly, we can also learn that when Jesus was deeply troubled, he prayed and petitioned his father. Prayed and petitioned his father. He says, Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Glorify your name. And again, we can see this precious human side of Jesus. Jesus, in the first place, wrestling before his father, of what lay ahead for him, of what the cross was really going to mean for him. It's unspeakable agony for Christ. And again, we hear his heart breaking, this heartbreaking petition to the Father in Matthew's Gospel 26 um, and 39, where it says, My Father, if it is possible, listen to what he's saying here. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not my will, but as you will. You know, and so terrible to Jesus was this thought of becoming the sacrificial substitute for human sin. That the human in Jesus was deeply troubled about that. You know, and I can't help but wonder if Jesus himself was wondering, could he possibly endure what it was going to take? Could he endure this? And so he cries out, Father, is there no other way? Is there no other way? The writer of the Hebrews picks up this heart and picks up this agony. And he says this, Hebrews 5, 7, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. These were loud cries and tears. To the one who could save him from death. And look at this, and he was heard. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Powerful stuff, isn't it? See, Jesus knew his father had the power to save him from death. And so we hear these words of his petition to the father in his agony and in his trouble and in his distress. We hear these words, Father, save me from this hour. And again, we hear these words, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken away from me. C.G. Cruz says, Being truly human, Jesus wanted to be delivered from this dreadful hour 
something he prayed for three times in Gethsemane. And the Bible says he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now here's an important note, closing soon. Here's, this is an important note here. Um, God hears the prayers of his people. He does. He hears our prayers in all circumstances, in all situations. He will hear our prayers. When we are deeply troubled, the Lord sees and he, he hears and he sees our petitions to him. Just as he did for his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's another important note to take, to take note of tonight. How good and wise it is of our God and Father not to always give us what we ask for. Don't you think that's a, a wise and a good father? Not always to give what his children ask for. How many fathers are here tonight and your children ask you for things and you know it's not good for them? you got something better. So you deny that request. And our beautiful heavenly father, sometimes he says no to our requests. Sometimes he says wait. But if he says no, it's because he's got something better. If he says wait, then it means that he's got a better time for you. You see, our Father knows how to give good things. He knows what's really best. He really does. And he was listening to his son crying out, Father, is there any other way? Take this away from me. But let me ask you tonight, where would you and I be today if the Father had saved Jesus from his hour? Where would it be tonight if God had taken that cup away that Jesus said, Father, be any other way, take this cup from me. So what if God had taken that cup from him? Where would we be tonight, folks, if the Father had spared his own son from the cross? Quite simply, we'd still be dead in our sin and trespasses, in our condemnation in this world. That's for certain. And the Bible says, but Jesus was heard because of his reverent submission, says the writer of Hebrews. And he was, as I said, he was heard. For he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then in verse 28 of John 12, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. And the Father heard that prayer. And the Father did glorify his name. And his son went to the cross. His only son to the cross to die for your sin and mine. And Jesus went willingly and you know as we think about our theme this year being the first part of our mission statement working with God it ought folks it ought not to surprise us that in our journeys with Jesus just like Jesus that we do become troubled it oughtn't surprise us that we will experience trouble because going back to that promise of Jesus again didn't he say in this world you will have trouble that's a promise but equally but take courage for I've overcome the world so don't be surprised in our journeys with Jesus that we become troubled because it will happen it will happen and then when that happens then that we would lift up our eyes like Jesus and be so filled with him that we say, Father, Lord, and it might be, Father, help me here. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it, but Father, our prayer goes to him. 
Father. And then we call upon his name in our petitions to him. Let your requests be made known. Make your petition known to God. We've got to call upon him. Do you get that tonight? you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what God's saying to you perhaps tonight? Let me finish with this quote. Another quote from good old FB. He says this. I love this quote. This is what he says. What a battle cry this is. He calls it a battle cry. Father, glorify your name. How it must thrill the hosts of heaven and strike amazement and panic into the hosts of hell, he says. <laughs> Let us gird up our loins, my brothers and sisters, to take the way God leads us, though the break is thorny and the path almost impassable. Let us never cease to cry, especially when we must speak to vent our anguish. When we're troubled and distressed, may we never fail to cry, Father, glorify your name. That's a powerful prayer. And I believe God will delight to glorify his name in whatever way that means, but it will be good for you and glorifying to him. Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for, thanks for your awesome power. We just, we don't really fathom that, Lord. And if we're honest tonight, we fail to understand very much at all of your power. But we just by faith want to accept you tonight at your word and say thank you for the cross. Thank you for the things that we learned from Jesus when he experienced that very human thing that we're experiencing, Lord. That's trouble that's being in distress sometimes and... Thank you that we see this beautiful model in Jesus. That he cries out to you, Lord, that you're the first one that comes to mind in his stressful times. Help us, Lord, to be like Jesus in that. To say, Father, not some of the other stuff that we can so often easily, naturally say. Just help us to call upon you and then help us to make our petitions known to you and cry out to you, Lord. Jesus cried out with loud cries and tears. There are times that we do that too, Lord. We ought not to be ashamed. Perhaps we might do that quietly in our own private space, but we need to do it. We need to be honest, transparent before you. We see this in Jesus as he faced a time of great trouble and distress. And Father, we know that. We know that we would never carry what he carried, but Lord... We thank you tonight. You understand us so much. You understand what it's like for us when we're troubled and distressed. So, Lord, help us, we pray, to lay hold of you. So good, Lord, to lay hold of you. We bless you and we thank you for the fact that you've laid hold of us. We're kept in your hand. Thanks, Lord, for that beautiful security. Thanks for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us tonight. And we just want to commit each other to you now and pray that we'll go with a new spring in our step as we leave this place and head out into a week that you've prepared for us. So be with us. Thank you that you are. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless you, folks. Thanks, David. Uh, please stand as we sing our final song.
Glorious 